Hi, I'm Shari De Silva, curator of the Jeffrey Bauer Art and Archival Collections at the Lunaganga Trust. This podcast is part of the Bauer 100 program, a celebration of the architect's 100th birthday. Jeffrey Bauer was famously silent about his work. There are only a handful of records where he opens up about his influences, routines, and practice. He also rarely saved material like correspondence or sketches, which often form the core parts of an archive. The Oral Histories Project tries to fill this void by collecting the memories, stories, and experiences of Bawa's friends, clients, and colleagues. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we have architect and artist Ismat Rahim on the program. Ismat studied architecture first at the University in Sri Lanka and subsequently at the Royal Academy of Arts in Copenhagen. He worked at Jeffrey's firm, Edwards Riedenberg, between 1968 and 1976 on a number of key projects, such as the Konamara Hotel in Madras, the Serendip Hotel in Bentota, and the Agrarian Research and Training Institute in Colombo. He also designed furniture and created artwork for the firm's various projects. Ismuth went on to set up a practice with Ferrell Choksi, who also studied in Denmark and worked under Jeffrey Bauer. They were the architects responsible for the much-celebrated Habarana Lodge Hotel. Ismuth has published a number of books on the history of photography in Sri Lanka, including Archaeology and Photography, The Early Years, 1868-1880. to I met Ismuth at his home in Colombo, where he spoke of his time studying in Copenhagen and coming back to Sri Lanka only to be faced with working within the constraints of the closed economy. Ismuth also recalls his favorite time at ERMB, which was when he was living and working in South India, highlighting Geoffrey's ability to form diversely talented teams and to play to the strengths of his collaborators. I think I met him first at his residence, rather than his office, and I met him quite often. Then thirdly, I think I would believe I worked with him only much later. We joined the School of Architecture, or just before that. I worked with him for about three years before we went on to Copenhagen to start with the Royal Institute. The first impressions were that he was living in a tiny, very tiny, first of the many small houses, after which I think he bought four such houses subsequently, which he demolished and built what is there now. To be for a man of his height, he was about, about six foot seven. The accommodation was very much like this room and the adjunct, our dining room, you know. So it is very small and how he managed to live in that tight space with all his artifacts and everything which he was building up was quite remarkable because it took him another, at least another 10 years before he successively bought other pages and then built his uh, other progressively after meeting him both in his residence as well as at exhibitions and 
other places we frequented, like the Arts Club, which was the bar at the Lionel Rift, which is now occupied uh, by the extension made by Ashley DeVos for the Carlton's uh, Gallery. We used to frequently meet there. Then I was, became a part of office, but rather on the fringes, because I was more working with uh, Ulrich Plesner on the measured drawings of all the building. So it was a sort of very temporary sort of arrangement. Used to come and go, and then the architecture school started at Cartwright and we followed that for three years, and then we went off to Copenhagen. But Mr. Baba followed us to Copenhagen <laughs> and visited us twice or thrice. Physically stayed one of us had to locate a room. He occupied one of the rooms. We took him around Copenhagen and the art gallery and worked at the office. So beautiful, beautiful, very attractive art museum, which is called Louisiana, which he worked with his partner. Professor was Jordan Moore and his partner was Willem Bollett and they did this lovely open air plus indoor gallery overlooking the, the sea between waters between Sweden and and it was known as Hundibeck and and we brought him to the academy and we sat down, reviewed our work and all four of us were there. Shaksu, Bhushana, and Vasanta Chandraratna, who did most of the work for Jeffrey when the three of us left. Over the years, and she will continue to work with him on the parliament. He came twice as far as I remember because. I, those days, flying to Copenhagen was out of stuff because he was going to London. So, Copenhagen was well out of the way. But uh, Ulrich Plesner's family was there. So, he used to be there as well. Ulrich's father was there as well as Ulrich's brother. And so, we used to frequent with them. And so, that was a exception interest. So he said, I want to come and he wanted to recruit us uh, <laughs> Although we were denied by the Institute of Architects because we were not British qualified. And there was a prohibition against us driving to cut that time. Although the RID realized the fact that Scandinavian architecture was very about English architecture and they were willing to make us associates of idea institute here is dragging its feet for some years. He knew the sort of work we were doing outside and mainly because I was interested in painting and drawing, sketching and making furniture and sculpture and so on. So he just recruited what he thought people right enough you know, could work with, you know. 
he had Lucky Sail Naika, he had Nara Sengham, and he had me. Then outside his office, he had, uh, he had actually tutored Ina Di Silva and Marvel Sandroni, both of whom were really housewives. And they were sort of tinkering with various things, but got them really professionally involved in batteries and handles that continuously gave the patronage. So actually what he did was he was forming a small guild, an official guild, which could supply Edward Riedenberg with all the stuff he wanted and Ulrich wanted. And he could also, I mean, if he were a client and, and wanted to watch or wall painting or something, we could do it, you know, so it was, it worked both ways, you know. I think also partly, though this is not often discussed, when Donald Friend arrived in Sri Lanka, many people did not know what he was and how good he was and how effective he was at the and he stayed with babies in Somalia. And Ulrich at that time was staying at the bar's flats and he saw the potential in Donald Friend's work and straight away he got him to do mural when Edward Riedenbeck was asked to do some interior, very small interior work in bars. He did that beautiful mural on the wall of the lobby and thereafter they did work at Mackinac's he was instrumental in getting Donald the work both for Gaul and Kalani, those two old leaf paintings. And those were the two largest murals Donald Fred ever did in his life in that sort of style. Subsequently, while this thing was going on, Ulrich decided to persuade Donald to have an exhibition of work in aluminium. And he challenged him in a sort of way it said, we use aluminium for down pipes and cutters, and it's an ordinary material. We know that you love to work in gold leaf and silver leaf. Why don't you make a, this is a challenge, produce sculptures, and he produced some 20 sculptures. I have the catalog somewhere, Ulrich's catalog. Ulrich as a young architect in his early 30s, curated the exhibition, did the lighting, did the catalog, organized it, and to a very successful exhibition at the Goethe Center. And I think that really kick-started in a large way this idea that one could incorporate some of the work of the artists in and around working with Mr. Martin. Then as time went on, I think one of the reasons is that we were, in a way, lucky in a strange way because Mrs. Bandarnaika came along and she had these draconian laws about imports and she banned all imports. Jeffrey and Ulrich and anybody who was in Sri Lanka were forced to utilize clay, sugar, samara, rotting glue, anything that was available here transformed into works of art. So we really didn't have Windsor and Newton and Reeves spades. We hardly had very good paper, but it forced us to rethink what we were doing. That was, I think, the birth of the handloom and batik movement. 
done in that tasteful way. So when I went to Denmark, I thought, okay, these people really need fund exchange because they were running out of the almost all of Barbara's work and Ina's work that depended on German dyes for dyeing of the yarn as well as the cloth. I had two exhibitions and managed to get them something like 35,000 Danish kroner so that they could convert that. That was the only way that you export and convert your profits into material. That is the thing I, I think we discussed it before, is that Ulrich used to write and to the article on the architecture, to the AR, but they were more descriptive. But I have interviewed Ulrich Lesnar, and also they are straightforward interviews. I have also, over years, spent time talking to Jeffrey in an informal way, and to Ina, before she died, for many years, we used to go there and sit and talk to her about her early days in school, Lady Scholar, how she wanted to be a biologist, like my daughter, and how she, she really admires her for the work she's doing. She felt a sense of, you know, missing out in being a graduate. And so this impetus that Jeffrey gave her really made her life richer because her husband died. He went when he was in his late 50s, early 60s. So with Barbara, so they had this impetus, something to work about, to get all these uh, girls who were at the village level without any work, without any future, getting them trained. That was also another great thing, you know, you get hold of 20 girls who have had no information as to what the Martin was, good art was, what good colouring was, and get them all tutored in this thing. People don't realise what a great leap that. It was like a catalyst, you know, you can't say that Baba did this and Gaho did this, but it was something that kept on working in individual days. I mean, if you look at what is now barefoot, it's a whole metamorphosis that took place with Barbara engineer and that's what she did. You are called it barefoot and, you know, and now Dominic is continuing. When I was in Denmark, determined to have exhibitions as a student and Paris, I used to take part in exhibition in California. It was parallel life and writing and writing and writing all the time, writing about photography, about architecture, archaeology, everything. That was something which was, I was passionate about and not wanting to be completely dominated by my architecture. I mean, the only music that I ever got him to, not I got him like, but because I had a collection of Cole Porter, music by Ella Fitzgerald, and I had one or two of the English musicals of the president, like Baby, and a few of those. He appreciated them, borrowed the records, and, you know, read some of the books. But he was never like Lucky and Ina, Ina herself, not coming from a literary background, and she would talk to Michael Mondacci, borrow his books, read the books. Knowledge of music was far in advance than most people. I mean, Markov, the modernists, and so on. She had all the tapes. 
even in the business and we are CEO. Hey, I think Jeffrey was very but very guarded about buildings and whether he was inspired by their who sources were. The other intriguing thing about him and Tina is that in a way also a bit not so much in Holy, but Tina and he were that they couldn't draw. Jeffrey's drawing was very childlike and very tiny scribbles and twisting and so on. And coming from a generation, which was where architects were expected to do a lot of watercolor washing. Jeffrey was a student in the AI. I mean, you have to do, I mean, you know, full scale officers were to do washers, perspectives, and everything. And that is something I could never. Lucky and unpractical tried to explain to me, you know, but he still had his drawings and he managed to get his architecture. But he got it done by making us do the drawings. And once he got the basic elements of his design in place, and that he transferred it onto site by his own skill and talent. And that's how he got his work done. I think as Ulrich says, if you read his uh, Domus review, he was magnanimous in that way. I mean, you know, if you went and worked for Julius and Creasy or John King or something, you would still be a podium running around with your this thing and serving people. I mean, from the first day, we used to call him Jeffrey. I mean, you could have been my grandfather, grandfather, right? And you were one-to-one. -one. I mean, mm -hmm. you were seated in the same place, you had smoked the same cigarettes, you drank the same whiskey or that, and you went on contesting what he was saying. I have never seen anything like that in the rest of Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. There's always this bowing and scraping that was going on. So, Jeffrey intimidated people, but you could, after some time, like I had the opportunity of working with him in India, he had depended on me too take him around and so on. So he let me do the, you know, I, I got off all the top Indian artists, befriended them. They were living in a place called Cholamandal, invited them, and they were living in an artist colony and got them to paint. I had this knack of getting people doing this, you know. Speaking so, of Cholamandal, let's give it to attention. So did you meet Ramanujan then, the, who did the that snake drawing that then goes to Arthur. There's three incredible drawings by him. Yeah. No, I was stuck here. Uh -huh. I, I was in India. He had two or three architects working of South Indian origin, and they were very clever, very good drafting and everything. After 1977, I left, you know, so I don't know, it's after that overlapping period. Only person I worked with very closely was Narsingh who was with us in the Young Artist Group and we had exhibitions together and he was very clever and Archer Park by Jeffrey. And South India was a great thing because I was on my own, again, very young, and this huge hotel was, and with very little help and there was a full-scale office. And I had an odd engineer who came as well. And there are two, I managed to get all these artists and textile people to mix and work with. Jeffrey also a lot of inventors, I mean, in a sense, he got 
and he enjoyed coming there. He hated South Indian scene, like, like South Indian music. He could just come stare me. So I had to produce, because we had our own apartment. It was the same distance as my house is to the museum there. Oh. It's in a place called Monty Fort. We have the apartment in the interior. Three months is actually fantastic to me, you know, useful to come in contact with the neighboring country, like South India. I don't know, everyone went, came back quickly. This talks event, he spent one and a half days and told you, keep me out of this concert. I really didn't want to go because I'm married. Asanda would have gone alone. So there's no one else, somebody who had to conduct the work and get things going, you know. So it was fortunate. That way, I must say, Jeffrey really gave him enormous responsibility, which you had to really combat and do, you know, with few architects you had given. He would have been a glorified draftsman doing what and I think even a, even a project like Osaka Pubilia, I mean another lucky they did the bowling, another design all the you know, typography and everything. For me, for the domus on Ulrich Plesner. in that he talks off with Jeffrey, but he says the coming of Ulrich Plesner and the three of us, we managed to bring back a lot of stuff from Chairs, tables, glassware, clothes, jewelry, jackets, and we transformed Jeffrey's office almost instantaneously. And all the waiters were dressed in Marimeko sarongs and bells, those behind you, those uh, ashtrays and everything, the crockery, cutlery, everything was just absolutely bad. It was all up to then. Jeffrey, okay, he did all the paintings and murals. But this was like Denmark all over again, starting from the bottom upwards. So, yeah, but it's an incredible drawing by you. Of yeah. Certain yeah. yeah. I managed to photograph everything and I managed to locate all the designers in Helsinki for the article. And, but the thing is that it had material value, you know, it was not simply that we're coming and talking to him about these things. A lot of people come back from America and talk to and bring a book or something. But here we sat down this just absolutely did everything from small cartoons of tea, bags, everything was done as a challenge to design. Yeah, 69, Ventura Beach was the first one where I did all the nail sculptures and everything. Then suddenly I started doing all this, uh, before I did Jeffrey's thing, all the gold leaf and you know, samara or whatever. This article has all the copies of the ceramics and the porcelain and everything we got copied from. We just got small ceramics to do it. I mean, you know, state run for do it. Because that was before the closed So that was helpful in the sense that we were doing work for big Steel Corporation, Cement Corporation, Ceramic Corporation, we were doing their offices. So we knew the chairman and everybody else them to put the pressure on them because for them it was profit. I mean, you know, hotels bought it. They were doing these ugly things. We just did the more refined and sold it and bought it ourselves. 
with the steel corporations. It worked with Jeffrey on that. And I, when we came out, we worked as a team more than individual. Jeffrey would call us together or sometimes alone and say, okay, can I crack this problem or can I do this? So we would continuously churn out things, right? So there was no, Jeffrey was that way very clever. He knew that Anura's detailing was good. Mine was more artistic and if he wanted a picture or a painting, I had to talk to the American ambassador about American jazz. He would send me off. Or Charles Correa came and he was busy. He would send me because the other two did not know much about Indian work. So he he was very good in choosing a team and then sending out ambassadors to cope with whatever things that he cope with. Projects like Bentley, were you still working as a team? Yeah, we worked as a, as a team, but then Jeffrey decided who was best for, for what. Say, I did all the paintings and sculpture, Jackie did the peacock, you know, the ceiling, like that, you know, and Serendi also. Were the Yala and Mangalores in some background? No, I think at that stage, Jeffrey was doing it, but Though it's dated that period, some of the work Jeffrey just did because I think that didn't come to fruition. No, and the, the picture like it's completely wild. I also started thinking about for Jeffrey about when we did these plants and trees and birds. So when we did the Agrarian Research Institute, I said we must get the Agrarian Research Institute because they are about agriculture and planting. I gave it, I still have it. I have misplaced it now. The list of plants that should be planted in Makati Road because they had a huge extent of land. Jeffrey had a general knowledge of trees and he knew how much shadow and shade and how because he had a garden. But he was not an intrinsic. I mean, with Ina, Lucky, and I, we would travel thousands of miles to see a flowering tree and take down all the notes and get all our botany books on our laps and we. We would spend five days in Java to meditating for people because we would come to a stop for half an hour and we were looking at a tree through our binoculars and the people in the back said, now what is that? Is it a leopard or a bear? They are looking at it and it is all one single flowering tree. That passion definitely had to the tree and move it. For them it was a part and parcel of architecture. So. But another thing that really they could, you know, Jeffy and Only, I I talked to them about Lionel Webb and the importance of a man coming out, a young man, and having this incredible, you know, photographs of surrealistic work of Dali. Then he plays in the evening, he gets into a suit and he plays Aaron Copland. Even now, if you play Copland at Kalamu, I don't know how many people would appreciate Copland's work, right? then dabbling with Pablo Neruda and doing all these things. Then comes Kumaraswamy and he produces this book in four years and he buys William Morris's press and he handprints the book, limited edition. And I talked to them about it. I mean, they said, okay, you've heard of it and you've heard that he would have put a photograph of one of its boys somewhere or something like that. When you're young, you look at something and think, this is absolutely mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. At 29, to write a book, four years, you're head of the mineralogical survey and you're produced 
200 reports and you have written 200 letters to the editor saying how bad Sri Lanka is. And then on top of that, you produce this incredible book and printed book. I mean, just absolutely. And also your own stream also, I mean, you know, getting the files, doing it, and then you get all these guys from the Arts and Crafts Guild you know, working with you. That guy did all the layout for him. Those things I thought would inspire them. South India was not this, that was really the and also in coming to Copenhagen, you know, because we took him out. We actually made him look at lots of things which he would like to look at. And he liked the school of architecture because in the eighteenth century building laid out Everything there was just, and it was easy going. It was just, you know, the teachers respected Jeffrey, they knew what he was. And the same teachers came here and saw our work, and they were full of it, and they wrote long letters. And so for them also, it was a contiguous thing. And Ceylon had been a part of Denmark from the 1650s, you know, the age of trying to get hold of Ceylon. And they came on an expedition here. They got to Trincomalee, they tried to convince the king that the Dutch and the French are awful rats. You all should make a deal with us and we'll see. Maybe she's in their company with you. Everything for your sponsors and everything. But the king was very suspicious of that deal. Because they were in, uh, you know, the British were in Madras, the French were in Pondicherry, and the Danes were in a place called Trankaba by 1650. All three. Nations were doing their thing. Now, still to this day, always I wanted to ask him what are his views on music, what are his views on literature. If he was let loose, would he go and stay in Istanbul? Maybe. Always he said Italy, but were there other parts of the world which really he was lost in completely? But he would never, I mean, he traveled. Go with our sexy things and so I traveled with him in Sri Lanka to Trincomalee and to Gandhi and to Gaul. We used to be able to stay at Rosenberg, we used to be Bestwater and Piccolo and that whole stretch. But he was very intrigued why Ina and I and my wife were always together every two months or so. He was very, very intrigued. One day from Kandalabha, he came all the way to the National Park. That's about 100 miles from One day he came. Two o'clock in the afternoon, he arrived there. And he came and had tea and coffee. And he had a four-wheel vehicle at that time. So there was no way he could have gone with him. So he said, I just came to see what you we were doing. And he went into the park and came out and he went back. And it took another three and a half hours of driving. Of all went back to Kandam. He was just intrigued as to what is this thing that we were always work together and what are we looking at? What is this is making us tick? But overall he was magnanimous, you know, he was just generally you could do whatever, have your exhibition, see would write up everything, give letters to you, support you, write all sorts of things which you were not even in a letter, you know, saying you're the genius and whatever. That he would do. Tell Tonga that he had that attack of the Nazi forces, you know. 
between when I was sent back by the aircraft, by the health authority in Mamun City Park, I mean, to England, was sent back in his flight. Then they said, persuaded him to go into Italy. And on the way, just outside, we managed to talk to the, to the uh, Danish foreign ministry and also incorporating us. And when we heard that we had done that, they said, God said, go to Denmark. He said, no. And when we went to Denmark, even my father, who was a professional, he said, when you come back, you're not going to get a job because Sri Lanka doesn't respect you have if you're a doctor or a lawyer or an architect or an engineer, you have to get an AMICE or a CIA or whatever. That's the only qualification Sri Lanka would go by. Going to Denmark, you can work with the greatest work, greatest architect, and all so on. That's not going to get you anywhere. So I told him, don't worry. Let's sort it out. And yes, he's the one who showed him, don't worry about all this nonsense. We would like to thank the trustees of the Jeffrey Balawa Trust and our generous patrons and sponsors for the Balawa 100 program. This podcast is copyright to the Jeffrey Balawa Trust. All rights reserved. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at archive at jimmytrust.net. We would love to hear from you. To find more resources on Jeffrey Balawa, attend our events or volunteer, You can visit our website or follow us on social media. Please hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember to leave us a review because this helps people find us more. Until next time, take care.